Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast, where we talk about how to build a winning life by building a stronger spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and I'm so glad you've joined us here today. I have a special guest today who's going to talk to us about boundaries and about overcoming anxiety and how we can deal with the issues that we have going on in our lives these days. So thank you very much for joining us today. Introduce us a little more. Tell us more about yourself. Hi, Elizabeth. It's so great um, to be on your podcast today. I'm so excited that you invited me to be a part of it. It's just wonderful. Um, so my name's Honey Hayton and I'm all the way from down under. Um, I'm from a small country town in Queensland, so about an hour out of Brisbane, which is the capital of um, Queensland. And I run a counselling practice and I specialise in inspiring and empowering women to live their best life. Yes, thank you so much. I've been looking forward to to talking with you today and hearing things that you have to share. There's a lot of great topics that you speak on, and uh, it was kind of hard to pick and to narrow it down. <laughs> but uh, the one that that stood out to me was was boundaries. Um, you know, that's where I struggle sometimes. I'm a people pleaser, and you know, I, I have a servant's heart. You know, I I like to care sure. for others, but but putting my own self care first has become a priority to me, and that's part of what this podcast is about because that's so important. So can you just speak yeah. to that a little bit about where self-care fits in with boundaries and sure. that type of thing? It's it's really, um, that's what I love about um, your movement and, and what you talk about, Elizabeth, in resiliency and, and living a resilient life. When I talk to women, the main thing that they want, want out of life, the main thing they want is to be happy. But when we unpack it a little bit, really they want to be resilient. They want to be able to cope with whatever life throws at them because as we as we all know that life's no fairy tale it certainly life uh, throws some curlies at us sometimes doesn't it you know we have mm -hmm. marriage breakdowns and people pass away we have toxic workplaces we have friends that take advantage of us you know it's all sorts of things that that the modern woman is um are coping with and mm -hmm. trying to work through and i think the modern woman has so many demands on her to be perfect and to be all that, you know. And so we have a lot of pressures um, on us which can really steal our joy and really steal our happiness. And so I really encourage women to uh, build up their resilience uh, to life. And one of the best ways of doing that is self-care, is looking after yourself. Um, and the way I explain it to women is... You know, with your car, you have a fuel tank in your car and you put fuel in it to make it go. And you don't argue with the car, you don't negotiate with the car, you don't ignore the car or the fuel, the red light on your fuel tank. You just know you have to go and put fuel in it to make it go. So I talk to women about that analogy and say we have an emotional tank just like our car has a fuel tank and our emotional tank needs to be continually filled. It has to be filled up. Otherwise we won't be able to go either. We'll run dry. Mm -hmm. And so women get that. They get that, you know, um, you need to put fuel in your car, but the idea of filling their own emotional tank can be a bit foreign. They can be like, Oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and the first thing that comes up is, 
that's selfish, isn't yeah. it? Isn't yeah, that selfish it feels to, that way, to look after it? myself? Yeah, it can. Um, we often learn that in our family of origin. Um, I think our culture reinforces that, that, you know, we're supposed to serve others and put others first and, you know, give everything to everyone else. Uh, which are great concepts, but they leave us dry. And so I talk to women about flipping that around and looking after themselves first, because when you look after yourself and your fuel tank is full, you actually can look after other people uh, better as well. You've got more to give. That's so um, true. Yeah. So, so that's sort of it in a nutshell, mm -hmm. um, I think, is really... Uh, getting women to to see self-care differently that it's not selfish it's actually essential just mm -hmm. like fuel for your car yeah that's right we can't pour anything out of an empty pitcher and unfortunately I, I learned that the hard way because I, I neglected my self-care for so long you know we have a, a large family and I was homeschooling my husband's military and I was serving in volunteer capacity well voluntold capacities you know <laughs> you kind of get a job that goes along with your husband's job but um right. I I really I crashed because I went dry but I'm curious you you say you, you speak specifically to women is that just because that's who you feel comfortable with or do you think that women struggle with this a lot more than men do yeah that's a really good question um I do love working with women. Um, it's just where I feel comfortable. I think I relate um, well to women. Um, I do have some male clients as well. Um, but, yeah, I do love working with women. I'm very passionate about it. And I think that I have a fairly deep understanding of, you know, the, the issues that women struggle with, especially in modern times. And I too struggled with self-care as well, like you you did, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And I had a bit of a moment, <laughs> you know, how you have those moments in your oh, life. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it was a couple of years ago, <laughs> I was actually getting ready to go to a friend's party and I tried my party dress on and it didn't fit me anymore. And I couldn't do the zip up. Mm -hmm. And I looked in the mirror and I not only saw someone who had put on a few kilos, I also saw someone that wasn't looking after herself and she was actually quite miserable and had run dry. And I, in that moment, it was a wake-up call. I mean, okay, I need to do something about this. It wasn't just so much the weight. It was what sat behind that. I'd sort of given up. <laughs> I'd sort of stopped caring for myself. Um, like you, I've got a large family. You know, um, my husband and I are both working. So I'd really put myself um, on the bottom of the priority list and in that moment, I went, actually, I need to do something about this. I can't be just waiting for things to get better, waiting for other people to make me feel good. I have to start feeling good for myself. Mm -hmm. And I still remember I, in that moment, I grabbed the dog, I put a leash on the dog and we went for a walk. And that was the start yeah. of me caring for myself and prioritizing and I stopped making excuses and saying, I don't have time, I'm too busy. Um, you know, I had a million excuses um, why I couldn't do it. But that was the moment when I stopped making excuses and started caring for myself. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a bit of a process. And I've just set a little task for myself, one thing every day that makes me feel good. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but at the time it was. Oh, yeah. That seemed like a huge step. Yeah. But I did it and yeah. I started to sort of climb my way out of that, that really, um, I wouldn't say it was a dark place, but it was sort of a, was a beige place. <laughs> it was very, yeah. Um, yeah. And I started mm -hmm. to, to feel light and bright and 
really reclaim my power again um, in that moment. So that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think sometimes we kind of fall into the trap of sitting around and waiting for someone else to care for us or give us opportunity or or give us a breather or say, here, let me handle that. And, and I had to come to the place where I realized I'm the only one that's going to take care of me, (laughs) you know, especially when, you know, I'm in charge of a lot of young children that, you know, that's not their job to, to help me. Um, And, and I need to do that just like you said, for their sake too. But I love too how you bring up, you know, it doesn't have to be some big, huge thing. It it can just Mm. be, a small, simple thing like taking the dog for a walk and getting outside, enjoying creation and fresh air and just having yeah. a moment to yourself, you know, especially moms with young kids. I mean, just going to the bathroom alone is like, oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I think that's a really good point because most women, when I start chatting with them about self-care, they sort of roll their eyes and go, oh, really, I haven't got time um, for that. I haven't got the money for that. That's, you know, I haven't got time for, you know, um, day spas and you know trips away and things like that but when I break it down for them and and sort of break that myth that self-care has to be a big time and a financial investment they get it and like I said it can be as small um, as walking the dog or make cooking a healthy meal or chatting with a friend so you know it can be free uh, or certainly cheap but it needs to be intentional um, and it needs to be regular And the other thing it needs to be is holistic. So I've developed a bit of a a framework um, for women to help them remember how to care for themselves holistically. So I've come up with a little acronym of STEPS and it covers the five areas of our life. So the first one is social. So social self-care. So that's all about relationships, about taking care of yourself and relationships. The T stands for thinking. So it's really a psychological self-care. E is your emotional self-care, P is physical, and S is spiritual. So I have um, just that little framework just to help women that it's a holistic thing. It's not just going to a day spa. It's about looking after yourself in all areas of your life. I like that. That really ties into with a lot of what I share. I have five things too, but mine are slightly different. I have like will in there, like motivation, and I put the social with the emotional but very similar. I'm Um, sure there's lots of overlap. Oh yeah. I know there's a lot of different ways to to look at it, but you're so right that they all play into each other. They're all integrated. We can't just pull out this one little part of our life and, you know, get that one area in order, but not, but ignore or neglect the others. Um, I'm curious, how does setting boundaries play into, you know, creating this space for us to Mm. make self-care? Where does, where did the boundaries come in? Yeah, um, I think if if you if you surveyed a hundred women and said what's the biggest thing you struggle with in your life, I think ninety odd percent would say boundaries. I have trouble setting boundaries with others in my life, and I think they know they want to, they know it's important, but they just don't know how to do it. Um, it's just a bit of a phenomenal, isn't it? That yeah. that women just don't know how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I te- teach women and talk to women a lot about setting boundaries. Um, And it comes under the social self-care because it's about relationships Mm -hmm. and having good boundaries um, in relationships. This this is the key. Having good boundaries actually makes your relationships better. Mm -hmm. But people think, oh, you know, I can't set boundaries. People won't like me. I don't want to be an awful person. Um, You know, I'm scared of what people think of me, things like that. 
But actually, when you set healthy boundaries, people actually begin to respect you. People actually begin to um, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though it's hard work, the payoff is huge. And you might need to set boundaries um, with an ex-husband who's, for example, sending abusive texts or abusive emails to a woman. Um, you know, there might need to be a real firm boundary there. You might need to set boundaries with your children who um, are not speaking to you respectfully um, or things like that. You might need to, to set boundaries in the workplace and stop working overtime without pay. So boundaries are sort of in all areas of our life um, but really worth doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I struggle with that a lot because I'm a people pleasing person. You know, I enjoy serving others. I enjoy being a helper. Yeah. And I just sort of naturally, like that's my default is to just go, yeah, I'll take that on. And mm. I really have to be conscious and, and intentional about making, you know, the space of, and my husband really actually helps me there. He helps me to say no to things when I'm, yes. oh, I'd love to take that on. But but he's like, do you really need to add more to your plate? I'm like, but these people need help and I can help. And he's like, no, just say no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, he has a much easier time of saying no or, or seeing where those boundaries need to be. So he helps me out in that sometimes, but I just naturally don't see it. I just, I miss it. Sure. And I, yeah. And you said before, do men struggle with self-care more, than, or do women struggle more with mm-hmm. self-care than men? And I'd have to say yes. And women struggle more with boundaries than men. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's genetics or mm-hmm. um, it's, I think it has a lot to do with social grooming and the culture mm-hmm. that we live in, um, that women are supposed to serve. We're supposed to be the good girl. We're suppo- you know, supposed to please people. We're you know, not let, mm-hmm. supposed to let people down. I don't think um, men and, and boys get those same messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so I think that's why we um, struggle with them more. So, again, when I talk to women about boundaries, I use the analogy of your property boundary. So <clears throat> women understand that. They understand that there's a boundary around their property. Usually it has a fence not always, but whether it does have a fence or not, there's still a boundary, isn't there, that's mm-hmm. been surveyed. And most women go, yeah, okay, yeah, I've got a boundary around my house. And I'm like, well, why is that there? And they'll say, well, it defines what's mine and what's the neighbours. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, is that a bad thing? And they'll say, no, that's really good because, you know, we know what we look after and they know what they look after and it's not, you know, a grey area. And I'll say, and how does that help your relationship with your neighbour? And they'll say, well, it actually improves it. It keeps it healthy because they can't just come into my house and, you know, grab milk out of the fridge whenever they want. They can't come over and watch my TV or, you know, play in my garden. You know, people know what's, what they can do and what they can't because of those property boundaries. And so I say, well, that's the same attitude I want you to apply to your personal boundaries know what's yours and know what's other people's mm-hmm. and, and understand that that's keeping the relationship healthy. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, that makes sense. Like when you're talking about a neighbor, it's, I think it's harder to translate that when you're talking about your spouse or, you know, like you said, your children or even your parents or, you know, somebody that's really close in your life. That's a real big part of your life. I think it's much harder to identify those things. Cause it feels like we should all be, 
together in one <laughs> one big lump so yeah sure yeah and i i think um boundaries is a work in progress and um it's not black and white and i think we learn and grow as we do life and like you said we'll we'll have it an easier time setting boundaries in some situations than others um one lady i was chatting with recently about boundaries she and uh, she said she has really good boundaries at work she's a teacher mm -hmm. and so she's very happy to set boundaries for her students yeah. you know they're not they're not allowed to come in at lunchtime while she's um, having a lunch they're not allowed to just interrupt while she's mm -hmm. teaching you know they have to put their hand up um you know they're not allowed to just come and you know, look through her desk or whatever, you know, she said certain boundaries to keep the classroom a safe place for everyone. Right. And she said, I'm very happy to do that. But at home with my husband and my children, she said, I find that more difficult to mm -hmm. set boundaries with them. And so we explored that and I said, well, what's going on there for you? You know, why, why is it more difficult to set boundaries at home? And it was really fear of reaction. It was fear that, you know, um, that the kids might react, that they mightn't respect it, that it'll be hard work to enforce, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So she just sort of chosen the path of least resistant, really. Mm -hmm. um, but she was ending up miserable and resentful because yeah. she didn't have boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to look at the outcome. Um, you know, and need to, to look at how our relationship's affecting us. And I guess that's my first tip um, for boundaries is to really reflect on your relationships and see how they make you feel. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling drained and resentful and, um, you know, not energised with you someone, with, and you're with someone, that might be an indicator that you have poor boundaries, that your boundaries are being violated. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really the first first tip that I'd have is to have yeah. a look at your relationships. Yeah, that's good. And so, but I, I've noticed like some people will accept boundaries. Like if you say, hey, this is mm. where my boundary is, they go, oh, okay, yeah, thanks for telling me. But there are those people out there who don't accept the boundary for whatever reason. They're like, no, I'm not gonna, mm. how, how do you yeah. stay firm with that in a situation where somebody is actually hostile to a boundary sure. that you want to set? Sure. And we'd call them toxic people, wouldn't we, Elizabeth? You yeah. know, when when we communicate a boundary to someone and they're like, yeah, nah, I'm not happy mm -hmm. with that. Um, I'm not going to... Um I'm not going to respect your boundary. You know, I call that a toxic person. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is hard work. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is difficult work to set boundaries and especially with to toxic people who aren't going to accept it. And, you know, I talked to a lady recently who was having um, trouble with someone at work in the workplace who was really violating her boundaries often, you know, asking her personal questions, saying, you know, how much did you pay for your car? You know, how much does it cost to spend? you know send your kids to school um you know just really invading her space and and her emotional boundaries and this lady was really feeling upset she was feeling trapped and so we worked through a bit of a plan together and said well okay how are we going to set some boundaries with this lady because she was ready to leave the workplace she said i just can't cope you know she was miserable she was pretty much on the way to depression um, because yeah. she was felt trapped and was unable to manage it with this lady. So we came up with a bit of a plan um, because I, I think you should practice. I think you should think about, well, what am I going to say and yeah. how am I going to say it? Often that's one of the hardest things because we mm -hmm. think, how do I say it? How do I, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we came up with a plan of how to simply and clearly and firmly set boundaries with this lady. And a big key in that is don't, 
don't use too many words. You don't have to justify. You don't have to explain. And she came up with just a, you know, a simple sentence. Um, when the lady asked her a question that was too personal, she just says, I'm actually not comfortable answering that question. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to keep explaining because that's really stressful to try and justify and explain. Sometimes we make uh, it harder on ourselves. Exactly. Sometimes it's less is more, less words uh, mm-hmm. are more powerful. And then we anticipated that this, this toxic woman wouldn't accept that boundary. We said, well, you know, she probably isn't going to, to respect that. So we anticipated it and we looked at some emotional regulation things for the the lady, how she would cope with the uncomfortable feeling when the other lady, you know, pushed up against that boundary. And we looked at ways of her to cope with with that. And one of the ways that really works for a lot of women is to have um, affirming mantras or little affirmations that they say to themselves. So just, you know, I'm worth it. Boundaries are healthy. It's my right to have boundaries. I don't have to, you know, answer every question she has and just have some real positive affirmations to to give her strength in that time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she did it and it wasn't easy, but she did it and it became, you know, a better um, working um, workplace. Yeah. 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 And over time. So what about if you're in a situation, say, where you've been in a relationship for a long time and you're just coming to the realization of, oh, I need to have more boundaries, but now there's already this pattern or this habit developed. And and I've heard or I've read somewhere, you know, when one person in a relationship gets healthy, it upsets the apple cart in their mm. other relationships that where there's unhealthy places, it kind of highlights that and actually increases conflict. Initially, I'm a conflict avoider person. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm like a peacemaker and like, let's all stay happy and... um so that kind of fit, like if I'm going to do something that's going to stir up conflict, that's really, really stressful to me. So what, what do you say about that kind of situation where you're trying to change the pattern of an established relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, you know, a lot of women feel the same as what you're saying. Well, it's been happening for a while. I may as well just keep doing it. But that's actually not true. You know, it's our prerogative at any time to reflect on a relationship and see how it's affecting us. And is it a healthy relationship? And and like you said, the the more we grow and heal, the more insight we're going to have into ourselves and others in our relationships. So at any time, it's our prerogative that we can reflect on it and say, actually, this isn't working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm seeing things that that don't um, make me happy. They're not good for me. And so if the relationship is a valuable one to you, if it's one that you want to, you know, stay with, I don't think there's anything wrong with having that conversation with them and Mm -hmm. saying, look, I've just been reflecting on what's going on here and it's really, um, it's not good for me, Mm -hmm. you know. So you can hit it head on like that. Um, but you're absolutely right. Relationships are like systems. And when one person or one part of the system changes, the whole system changes. And usually the other person wants to go back to the default setting. They want to go back to how it was because that's what they know and that's what they feel comfortable with. So mm-hmm. the big key there is to plan and prepare for it and don't expect them to jump on board straight away. Yeah. But that's okay. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing it, that you shouldn't be setting those boundaries. So plan and prepare is key there. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, to not give up if we encounter resistance that, you know, most things worth doing <laughs> do have yeah. some, some obstacles in the way. So um, that's how, let's kind of bring this to, you know, the things that we're experiencing this year in this crazy world with, you know, just a crazy year. Um, you know, I think both of these topics of the self-care and the boundaries, you know, these are critical skills that we need to function, like you said, in this modern world. Um, how are some ways that, that you've seen that play out with respect to you know, just the various things that are going on in the world around us? Yeah, it has been a bit of a whirlwind of a year, hasn't it? I think we're all still um, reeling about what's happened. It was interesting, I spoke to a woman yesterday and we were talking about how the coronavirus has changed the world and and one of the things she said, she said, actually, I see that people are more respectful of people's boundaries. And I said, that's really interesting. How so? And she said, I feel like you can communicate and say, that doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. Only this time works for me. Um, you know, I don't work Fridays anymore or mm-hmm. um, I can only meet you online. Uh, and she, her observation was, uh, you know, after however many months, that people are actually becoming more, um, yeah, more open to boundaries, yeah. which I thought was a really good observation and yeah, I'd have to is. agree with her. Yeah, so, I have um, thought of that, but you're yeah. right. Because I even just, you know, getting together for different things and some people are like, oh, I'm not comfortable meeting in person or let's meet outside or, and people are like, okay, you know, whatever you feel comfortable doing yeah. is okay. Yes. I, if, I, yeah. You're exactly right. We need to carry that over into all areas of our life to just be yeah, able to say, that's right. I'm not comfortable with that. I'd rather do it this other way. Maybe the coronavirus has given us a little excuse to be able to speak our truth and speak mm-hmm. our boundaries out. So maybe we've all, you know, been able to practice under that umbrella mm-hmm. of coronavirus and, and that practice has given us more confidence to speak our boundaries and maybe given people practice adhering boundaries too mm-hmm. and learning to respect them. So that might be a good thing that's come out of this um, mm-hmm. crazy year we've had. Yeah. I think another good thing too has been in in some areas, I don't, there's a lot of external pressure. So in other things, we've kind of lowered the expectations on ourselves, you know, the whole working from home or some people, I was already homeschooling, but you know, some people have been thrust into it, you know, unwillingly or maybe reluctantly um, and working from home in different situations, even on, uh, you know, the news, you've seen people doing their show from home and only being dressed from the top up and yes. just different things. And so it's just kind of, I think a lot of things have just kind of relaxed. Of It's okay. We don't have to put on a top star performance with our lives. We can just be real and in our yoga pants and our mask and say, this is me and I'm doing the best I can today. And, and that's okay. And so I, mm. I do think that's a positive thing too, that's come out of it. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, certainly in my world, people are talking about mental health more than ever. And Mm -hmm. it's becoming more okay to talk about mental health. And people are, I feel, people are able to say more, I'm actually not coping today. I'm I'm not having a good day. This whole coronavirus is getting to me. Mm -hmm. And people are responding with empathy and compassion more than ever. Um, And it's almost like, 
um, because we have maybe because we have that common enemy of mm -hmm. coronavirus you know we're all in the same boat we've all got this thing that's invaded our life and so we've sort of banded together and said you know well let's get through this together um, mm -hmm. I'm here for you I hear you this is rough and tough and what can I do for you so mm -hmm. I think that's been a good outcome as well mm -hmm. yeah definitely I, I think we need that kind of support and that compassion it was definitely kind of this the stigma it. with mental health that kept me from getting help sooner when I was struggling with depression and so that's I really just tried yeah. to tell everybody it's okay you know I really think counseling should just be a thing we do like the dentist you know you yes. don't you're not embarrassed that you go to the dentist it's just this is what I do to stay healthy and I I feel like we we could all benefit from counseling I don't think there's a person out there that would be like oh I don't need it at all you know everybody could uh, Totally. I, uh, yeah, I love having counselling. As a counsellor myself, I have professional supervision um, regularly, but I also have my own counselling as well because mm -hmm. I love it because mm -hmm. it's, you know, someone who's ob objective, it's outside my world, who can unpack what's going on for me and, and say, well, I think this is what's going on. Here's some strategies to help you work through it. And I love it. I come away, yeah. you know, hopeful and going, you know, there's a plan because mm -hmm. we can't always work it out all ourselves. And And like you said, you don't, you don't, you're not embarrassed to go to the dentist and you don't do your own dental work, you know, you go to a professional. And so that would hurt, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think counseling should be like that, you know, right. Right. Um, exactly. Go and talk to someone who, who knows what they're talking about and, and can just give you that new perspective mm -hmm. on what's going on for you. So there's so many things that when we struggle with them internally in the dark, they just get bigger and mm -hmm. uglier. But when we kind of drag it out into the light, and, and shine a light on it and, and discuss it with somebody and, you yeah. know, just bring these things before God. It's just like, oh, that's not as, as bad as, I mean, even when we're dealing with a difficult thing, it's just that takes away some of the sting from oh, it. Yeah. I think when we can Absolutely. just share it with another yeah. person and bring that out to light and, and mm. kind of dig through it. Absolutely. A lot of what holds us back from getting help is fear of the unknown, fear of what's going to happen if I talk about this. I don't want to unleash a, or open a can of worms or right. what's it going to be like. But it's, it's more like what you said, shining a light on things. And, mm -hmm. you know, monsters live in the dark. Um, so if we shine the light on things, you know, often it's really not as hard or mm -hmm. as dark as you thought it was, you know, yeah. if you unpack it a little bit. And like you said, shine a light on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to be so, I felt so bad and I was self-conscious about the fact that I struggled with depression and anxiety. You know, I felt like it was something to hide, something to stuff. And mm. now it's kind of ironic, you know, I mean, I'm kind of, this is my my job sort of, <laughs> I, you know, I get either through writing or, you know, through these podcasts and say, I'm like, hey, I struggle with depression and anxiety and there's help if you, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm announcing this, I'm putting this out there on the internet. And that's just, sometimes when I think about that, that's just such a strange thought to me of how far I've come of dragging it out into yeah. the light. And now it's not a big deal. You know, I just say, this yeah. is me and yeah. that's okay. And it doesn't yeah. bother me like it, it used to. Have you seen, so it, it seems to me like anxiety is on the rise, it, even before COVID and all that. Do you think that's true or is it that more people are getting help or maybe it's both? It could be a bit of both, um, I think. Um, I think what's happened with coronavirus as far as anxiety goes, I think people who already had anxiety have sort of gone up a level and people who haven't had it before are probably just starting to experience it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so 
um, and like I said before, people are more willing to talk about it and say, hey, I think I have anxiety and our understanding when I have these symptoms, you know, it might mean anxiety and, and people are having the conversation more. So it's probably a bit of, a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so as, as we kind of hack away at the stigma and reduce that, I think we need to raise up a generation of people who want to be counsellors because there'll be a bigger demand. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the yeah. best job in the world. Yeah. I feel very privileged to have this mm-hmm. job. It's wonderful. Yeah. And well, and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. There's so many good nuggets of, of information and of help that you've provided. I really appreciate you sharing that with us today. Um, where if listeners want to get more information or reach out to you, or I know you mentioned you, you have a, a course, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that and where people can touch base with you if they want to connect further? Yeah, so um, when I sort of developed the uh, the five steps to holistic self-care and was talking to women individually about that, I sort of thought, oh, I think I'd like to make this a little bit bigger and reach more women. And so um, I put all my heart and soul and de- into developing a program called the Empowering You Program, and it's specifically for women. And it's what I call it is the five steps to a guilt-free life of purpose, freedom and happiness. And that was from talking to hundreds of women and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, what do you want out of life and how can I help you? Mm -hmm. And so in the the program, it's a six-month program because I didn't want just a, you know, a six-week course that Mm -hmm. you did and then you forgot about. I wanted there to be true transformation, long-lasting transformation for the woman. I wanted it to be, you know, a cause or a program that she could really see a difference in her life at the end. And that's why I chose it as as six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I just, I feel like it's my best work. You know, when you just put all your heart and soul into something and it comes to being. And so I'm really proud of it. And I'm absolutely loving um, walking with women through this program. So it has an online um, learning program where you know, with booklets and things like that. And then you have regular catch-ups with me uh, fortnightly, and that can be in-person or Zoom, you know, mm-hmm. online. And just to give you that encouragement and support to make real and lasting changes. So absolutely loving that. So um, I have more information on my website, honeyhatencounseling.com.au, um, and I think you'll put the link in. Yeah. I'll put the, the link podcast. down in the, sh- in the show, show notes and uh, in the comments on social media so that people can reach out and connect with you. That's not, I, I love just listening to the title. It makes me sound more peaceful. <laughs> but, oh, uh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, that just sounds like, yeah, that's what we need and more of in this world. So yeah, yeah. I appreciate and, you putting your heart into that. Yeah, I just, yeah, it was just a pleasure to, to do because it was everything thing I believe in it was everything I've learned myself mm-hmm. um, over the you know over my life and uh, both personally and professionally and I was able to you know let it culminate into something that I'm, I'm really proud of so I'm very excited about that mm-hmm. and if women would like to also connect with me I'm on Facebook as well and I have a private Facebook group um, self-care for for women um, with Honey Hayton counseling mm-hmm. and it's just a, a lovely group of women and we just connect in that group and share ideas and tips on how to care for ourselves and how to live our best life. And, you know, part of that, a big part of that is being resilient to life, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like you talk about, yeah. about being able to cope with what 
what life throws at us. So, mm-hmm. so people can connect with me um, through Facebook and um, ask to join the group as well. We'd, I'd love to have them along. Yeah, I, I love that aspect of community because really none of us were meant to do this alone. But I think that goes back to that self-care. Sometimes we tried to do it alone and that we're not supposed to do so it that true. way. So it's, you know, when we share our burdens, it, it lifts the weight off of each individual's shoulder. So So true. Yeah. Often women think that they're going through things, you know, on their own, that it's unique to them and they feel weird and different, but they soon discover when they're part of a community and part of a group, Hey, it's not just me. Most (laughs) women are feeling the same. It just, Uh you just feel lighter. Don't you You go, Oh, other people struggle with this. So yeah. I'm normal after all. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yes. My line is I'm really not crazy. My therapist actually told me so that true story. (laughs) I love that. Yes, that's great. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed our our conversation today. I want to talk longer, but we need to wrap up. But thank you so much. And um, I'll drop those links in the notes so that uh, everybody who's listening can get in touch with you and take advantage of your awesome resources and the wealth of knowledge that you have. So that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. And if you haven't had a chance yet, please pop over to iTunes and uh, give us a review and a rating there. That would help out a lot. Uh, Resilient Life Hacks podcast is all about sharing a message of hope and healing with those out there who need it. And that's a way that you can help us uh, get some internet juice to the podcast so that the people who need to hear it can listen in. So thank you very much. And I will see you next week.